0: Can you say thank you to our band who does an incredible job? We had a we had a volunteer event the other night and we got Philip to Philip went to Hillsong College. I don't know if y'all knew that. I'm not making fun of him right now. He went to Hillsong College and we got him to pray like an Australian worship leader. It was the most fascinating. For those of y'all that were here, was it not amazing? It was the most fascinating thing in the world. So anyway, uh, um, I was thinking about it. In preparation for the message today, next year, 2020, I will have been in ministry for 30 years, and that's, yeah, some of you, I realize some of you have not been alive for 30 years, but um, I started old school, and when I say old school, I started in a really small church in Pickens, there was about 100 people um, so I, God put me where I could do the least amount of damage. I still did some damage, but the, the least amount of damage. And then I went to a, another church, and I served as the associate pastor there for about six years. Now, one of my jobs is as the associate pastor, and for those that with a church background, you'll remember this. If you don't have a church background, you're just going to take my word for it. Um, there used to be this thing called Sunday school, and then there was there was preaching. And in between Sunday school and preaching, people would begin to gather in the congregation, and... Somebody would come up and do the announcements. Now, nobody cared about the announcements except for the people that asked you to make the announcements, but part of my job was announcements. And so I would have to go in and literally like pick up a piece of paper and be like, hey, uh, Tuesday night, we got the ladies' quilting prayer break, prayer dinner potluck celebration. So you don't want to miss that. And in my mind, I'm thinking, why would anybody come to this? But you get up and make announcements. So I was, I was supposed to make announcements one morning, and there was this girl in the church who um, her and her husband were expecting a baby, and we'll just call her D, and I felt so sorry for her because and if you're a lady and you've ever been pregnant, you've had to answer this question. It's like, oh, how far along are you? And like, "Every 18 weeks, 17 weeks, 16 weeks, I mean, like, like just put a calendar together or something, but she was always so patient and kind, and so I went into their Sunday school, the 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 couple's Sunday school class one morning and Dee wasn't there. And I was like, "Uh, where's Dee? And they said, her water broke and she's on the way to the hospital. Now, time out. I did not know what water broke means. (laughs) I still don't actually know what it means and I don't want to know. So no Instagram, DMs today, no Facebook things. I'll block you, delete you. You are not my friend. I know what it's about. That's all, yeah. So anyway, but I didn't know what it meant. And I was like, oh. And every, all the women in the room were like, oh. And all the guys were like, yeah. So I just thought that that's something should, that should be announced to the entire church. And so when I got up that morning to do the announcements, I was like, hey, we got this going on, the ladies quilting thing. And oh, by the way, Dee's water broke. And she's on the way to the hospital to have the baby. Not a big deal. And I didn't think it's a big deal. I didn't think it was a big deal until... After the service, the senior adult mafia, now they, (laughs) in that church, they were legit. And there was this lady and she came up to me and she was pointing her finger in my face and she was like, I can't believe you said that. And I was like, I know that quilting thing's stupid, right? (laughs) She's like, no, you said D's water broke. And I was like, is that bad? She was like, yes, that's bad. you know what it means? I was like, nope. And she went in to, She started to explain it. And I was like, whoa, whoa, hey. Like, yeah. And so, so I remember just feeling horrible. So I went to the hospital the next day. I saw Dee. And I was like, Dee, I feel horrible. I told the entire church, your water broke. And senior adult mafia got me afterwards. And they were mad. And she just busted out laughing. She said, Perry, it's not a big deal. I was like, what? She said, it's not a big deal. And here I've got this one girl telling me, it's not a big deal, it's okay that you, and I got this, this other lady that was super upset going, we don't talk about that in the church. But I started thinking, you know, that's kind of like the mentality of church world, not, not just in the, in the South, but everywhere, is there's certain things that we don't talk about. And what's sad is we don't talk about the things that we're all dealing with during the week. So when we come to church, we want a history lesson, we don't want a language lesson, we want to be impressed with some sort of knowledge, we want to get a chill bump or two and then go home, but then there are people that are dealing with things, like I'm talking about major stuff, like anxiety, depression, worry, addiction, doubt, fear, like all these things. We don't want to talk about that because see, it gets real. But one of the things I love about the scriptures is how real the scriptures are and how God through the scriptures speaks to our life situation. So today, I just want us to look, if you have a Bible and you want to follow along in your Bible and your Bible out, 1 Kings chapter 19 is where we're going to wind up. And if you're from a church background, I'm going to talk about a God today that you've heard about. His name is Elijah. Now, Elijah is an, a, a legit OG hero. Like, he is, he is about as popular in the Bible, especially the Old Testament, as any prophet that ever existed. Uh, We first meet him in 1 Kings 17. And in 1 Kings 17, God tells Elijah, it's not going to rain in the nation of Israel for the next several years unless you say it's going to rain. Now, that's pretty powerful. Because the entire nation of Israel was an agricultural economy. And so basically, Elijah had control over The entire economic, you know, situation in Israel. And if he didn't pray for rain, there was gonna be a drought. If there was gonna be a drought, then everybody was people were gonna begin to starve, people were gonna begin to die. And so for the next three years there was a drought. By the way, how many of you know that God sometimes will let you go through a drought just to get your attention? I mean, I I know I think all of us kind of know that. So so he has some situations in First Kings 17, probably added some pressure to his life, and then first Kings 18. God said, you need to go face the king. Now, the king's name was Ahab, and the only problem with facing the king is the king wanted to kill him. I don't know if you've ever had to step into a conflict situation. That's pretty intense, but when you go and meet somebody that wants to kill you, little bit of pressure there, little bit of pressure. Now, we think Bible people didn't feel any pressure. Let me tell you something, king, but I promise you he was a human being just like we're a human being. So when he gets in front of the king... He says, hey, listen, let's settle this once and for all. You get your prophets together. There's 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah, so 850. And, and, and they can build an altar and I'll build an altar. So you got 850 to 1, which those odds, I mean, not, not even John Wick could find his way out of that situation, right? But I don't know if you've seen those movies. So unrealistic. So un- Anyway. Let me pause. The reason I can't take Keanu Reeves seriously in any movie is because I saw Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and that absolutely, some of you, I've never seen that movie, don't. (laughs) It's stupid. Anyway, so back to the sermon, 850 to 1, and Elijah was like, you could, you see if your God can light the altar, see if he can, so, so the the Bible talks about how they danced around the altar, dance, nothing happened, so Elijah finally said, all right, let me, Let me show you how it's done, boys. And he just prayed this prayer. It wasn't a very long prayer. And fire came from heaven and lit up the altar. Now, if I got to choose a Bible superpower, calling down fire would be in my top five, right? How awesome would that be? I think that would get me in trouble because if somebody cuts me off in traffic, right? Or coupon lady from last week, I'm telling you, I'm lighting her up right there in Publix. But... That's pretty, that's pretty amazing. I mean, as, as accomplished as some people are in their walk with God, I personally don't know anyone that's ever called down fire from heaven. So can we all agree that calling down fire from heaven makes you like a super spiritual person? Will we all agree? Because I, I think so. But if it hasn't rained for three years, what's the last thing you want falling from heaven? Fire, yeah, exactly. You need rain. So right after he calls the fire down, he goes and he prays for rain, and rain falls down, and the drought is ended, the famine is over, everything is great. From an outsider's perspective, if you're just standing and looking at Elijah, you're thinking, this guy has it all together, God feeds him. God takes care of him. He can make fire fall from heaven. He can make it rain. This guy is the most spiritual, godly, incredible person on the face of the planet. But isn't it funny how sometimes we can seem to have it all together on the outside and be dying on the inside? That's what happened. I want to show you. I want to show you. 1 Kings chapter 19 verse 1 says this. Now Ahab told Jezebel, this is his wife. You ever notice nobody names her kid Jezebel anymore? There's probably somebody here. I've probably an email, which I don't care. Go to Vegas and change your name. Or just go to Vegas. Um, and now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how, how, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Now, if you're Elijah, if you're Elijah, is this a big deal, yes or no? No. Well, yes, but no, because I'm thinking, all right, Jezebel, drag your butt out of the palace, because I just called fire down from heaven and I'll call fire down on you. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like that scene from the nutty professor. Come on over here, Cletus. Come on over. You're going to walk over. You're going to live back. You're going to walk over. But you, you, you know what I'm saying. Love that movie, by the way. You would think that this isn't a big deal because he just faced 450 prophets of Baal 400 prophets of Asherah. He just called down fire from heaven. But all of a sudden, you throw a woman, and the hell hath no fury like a woman upset. So that was free, by the way. I didn't say that in the last service. So you got this woman, and she threatens. Now, here's what's funny about the entire story of Elijah. This is the first time, this is the first time that fear is introduced to the story. He's dealt with pressure. He's dealt with all sorts of things. But this is the first time that we see fear. And fear has the ability to make us do, like, for, for example, fear does stuff on the inside that we don't manifest on the outside many times. I was talking to a buddy recently who met a girl. Uh, they met on social media, which I don't have a problem with. I mean, it's, it's like we connect with people all sorts of ways. So you connect on social media, and you connect with her, I think it was on his uh, Instagram. It wasn't like Tinder. Um, But I ain't judging. I'm just saying. I just, just, it was Instagram. And I asked him, I said, how'd the meeting go? He went, eh. I was like, what do you mean, eh? He said, well, um, (sighs) she uses a lot of filters. (laughs) I said, what do you you mean she uses a lot of filters? He goes, she doesn't quite look like in person the way she looked like in her pictures. I was like, oh, okay. But I understood that because we use it. In fact, I went last night just to confirm the top paid app right now on the iTunes store is this thing called Facetune where you can filter how you look. And, and, and we, we want to filter how we appear, but you know what? We can't filter the inside. What's inside eventually is going to come out. But we've been taught in church world, when you come to church, have your ish together. You put a smile on your face, you have a song in your heart, and you tell everybody, when they ask you how you're doing, I'm doing fine, which means frustrated, insecure, negative, and evasive. That's exactly what fine means. So if somebody told you they were fine this morning. Now, every once in a while, if you're a single dude, you can go, yes, you are. But but other than that, it is what it is. So we're looking at this situation going, Elijah, what are you going to do? I mean, you just called down fire from heaven. You're this biblical superhero, and nobody else can match your power. So what does Elijah do? The Bible says Elijah was afraid and ran for his life which doesn't make sense unless you know what fear does to you. Fear will make you do things that you don't ordinarily do and say things that you don't ordinarily say. Like, I have a boring life. I really do. I have a boring life. I do the same thing every day. I get up, out of bed. I get Chance out of his crate because I'm crate training him. He's doing okay except for this morning. nearly died because um, he peed on my bed. You don't pee on my bed. I don't pee on my I like, like I don't pee on your bed, so you don't pee on my bed. You got that? <laughs> So um, I got him back, I peed on his bed. Anyway, so I get a Chance, take him down in the kitchen, um, I feed him, and then I make some coffee, and I sit down with my Bible, and, and it doesn't make me a godly person, that's just how I connect with God. I love reading the scriptures. Every, I just, that's how I, that, that's what, so anyway, I'm in the Bible, I got my head down, I'm reading, I like to, you know, circle things, make little notes, whatever, and I felt something on my foot, and I was like, Chance, quit. And I looked over to my left, and he was over there looking at me. And he did that thing that dogs do when they're, when they're like, <laughs> no, no, no. which means you're an idiot. I, <laughs> I get that a lot. And I was like, well, if you're there, then what's And I looked down, and there was a spider on my foot. And it's amazing how fast your time with God can go to time with Satan. I mean, it's like that quick. I'm not going to tell you what I said. Even I mean, it was amazing. Spiders freak me out. Like, have you ever been walking down the street with a friend and they walk through a spider web because it's like this? Hey, how are you doing? It's like, ah! what just how, did you? Did somebody shoot you with a meth dart? Like what? <laughs> And you can feel spiders just crawling on you. Some of you right now, right now, right now. See, that's what fear does. It makes us completely irrational, which is what happens to Elijah. This mighty, powerful, godly man was afraid and ran for his life. Now, what he does next is incredibly dangerous when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. I did a survey not too long ago for um, asking this question online to, to moms. Moms. Because it was Mother's Day was coming up, so I asked this question. By the way, men, I want you to listen to me. Mother's Day is coming up, so you might want to write this down. If you're, me- I'm trying to help some of you out. This is free, absolutely free. I said, moms, what's the best thing that someone could get you for Mother's Day? Hands down, number one answer, even. Cl- number two, wasn't even close. Hands down, number one was a day to myself. Uh, yeah, yeah, right now. See, I feel, I feel the spirit moving in this place right now. Like, it was like, I just want a day where I don't have to hear... Mommy, 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 like anxieties, right? I just want a day where I can walk down the halls of Target and not have somebody tugging on me. I want, I want, I want to just worship at Walmart for, for just to feel like mom's just, and there's nothing wrong. In fact, I would say this, solitude is refreshing, Sometimes it's really good just to drive down the road and put on some music and sing to the top of your lungs by yourself. I mean, solitude is refreshing, but isolation is destructive. Who not miss this. Satan cannot destroy you until he isolates you. But once you're isolated, you're free game. That's why that whole thing where you can't do life alone That's not just a neat saying. That's true. But when you feel alone, you'll make sure that you are alone. And that's what Elijah did right here. He left his servant while he himself went a day's journey to the wilderness, which is is the desert. Then he came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. Aren't you glad that God didn't answer all your prayers? Now, I've met some people that have literally told me, there's nothing in the Bible I can relate to. And if that's your attitude here today, I'm about to prove you wrong because you've either said this out loud or you said it to God. I have had enough. This is, this is not the weird guy. This is not the guy who has never seen anything great. This is the guy who prayed fire and rain from heaven. One of the top miracles of all times. And this is not years later, this is one chapter later saying, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush fell asleep. I'm 47 years old, and I feel like that's kind of young. I feel like it is, and you might not, but I have the microphone, so I don't care what you feel. Like, how many of y'all feel 47 is young? Yeah, the rest of y'all... I'm being nice. I, I... I've got to live a full life, though. I've, I've gotten to go places I never, thought I'd, like, I never thought I'd get to go to Australia. I've been to Australia. I've been to um, Europe. I've been to, to Africa. I've been to Israel 16 times. I never thought I'd get to go once, and I've been 16. And, and it's like I've got to meet some really awesome people. I've got to see some um, great things. And so, like, if something ever happened to me, I've lived a full life. But, but saying that, I've got some things that I want to do in life. I've got some experiences I want to have. Like I want to own one of these. (laughs) In that, and this is the time of year where I get major Jeep fever. By the by the way, Pastor Appreciation Month is in October. If you want to go ahead and get (laughs) that fun started, like I want to know what it's like to drive a car that fast. Right there, I've driven a car. The fastest I've gone in a car is 150. I know there's police in here. but there's, it was 20 years ago, all right? So you, I mean, and, and then I want to spend about a week right there. So you are like, where is that? <laughs> it's Lake Hartwell. Um, <laughs> which you're like, no, it's not, because <laughs> the water will be that color right there. Like, I, there's some things I want to do in life. There's some things I want to do in life. And I'm sure there's some things you want to do in life, too. There's all, all of us have things that we would love to do, some, some things we'd love to accomplish. But like Elijah, sometimes we hit a wall. And this is how, this is how the cycle usually goes. It starts out with fear. And every one of us, every one of us deals with fear. On a, if you've got a child, you know what it's like to Fear especially when they're away and they go away to college or they drive out of the driveway for the first time or whatever. There's fear. There's fear associated with the economy. There's fear associated with who's going to be the next president. There's fear. Associated, like, the media feeds on fear. The media feeds on fear, like everything. We live in a fear-based society. You can't watch the news. Listen, one of the greatest things I did for my anxiety levels about four years ago is I just quit watching the news. And I quit listening to political talk radio. Your anxiety levels will. Yeah. and you'll actually become a nice person um, fear though a lot of it but fear if we don't deal with it if, if we don't deal with fear it leads to anxiety now here's the thing about anxiety you've mo- more than likely some of you have been told if you were a good Christian you wouldn't deal with anxiety well what do you do with Elijah because I if anybody's a good Christian, I would say the guy that called down fire from heaven's got to be on the top five list. What do you do with Jesus when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he tells the apostles, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death? Well, Jesus, you just need to pray and read your Bible more. Well, wait a minute. He is the word. <laughs> so, so what do you do? There are people right here going, uh, well, I remember, I remember I used to have a friend. I had panic attacks, and I didn't understand the panic attacks, but I was like, well, I don't understand. And then I had one. And those things are legit. Those things are real. There are people in this room that, that deal with it, and you've been told, well, if you just had more faith, how do you have more faith than Elijah? How do you have more faith than Jesus? Like, how do you, how do you get to that level of faith? You've been told this, if you were a real Christian... You wouldn't take medicine. You know, you know. there's not a lot of people I want to punch. But p- people that say that crap need to be punched in the throat and then told, if you really love Jesus, that wouldn't hurt. I didn't say any of this the last service. I feel like I'm getting really loose. But I, I, I just know that anxiety is a real issue. And if you're somebody in this room that struggles with anxiety um, and and you feel guilty about taking medication, let me ask you a question. If you had cancer, would you do chemo? Yes. If there was something wrong with your liver and there was a pill to help your liver, would you take the pill for your liver? Yes or no? Yes. If something's wrong with your brain, then why not take medicine to help your brain? Listen, I do. I do. I do. Well, you best not me I, Well, you're right. I'm probably not as good of a Christian as other people, but you know what? If, there's, if God provides listen, do you know that God can provide healing through medicine, just like He can provide healing through prayer? Because, because listen, if we don't deal with anxiety, it leads to depression. Now, when I say depression, I just want to qualify this because a lot of people said they're depressed and they're not depressed. It's overused sometimes. Like, I'm so depressed. Why? The drive-thru at Chick-fil-A was so long. <laughs> well, go on Sunday, and you won't have to sit in line. It'll be easy, right? <laughs> be depressed because you didn't eat your food. I didn't get a part. Like, a lot of people say they're depressed. depressed. Depressed is not, I had a really, really tough day, or I wasn't prepared for the test. Depressed is, I can't find a reason to get out of bed. <laughs> depressed is, <laughs> I can't find a reason to leave my house. <laughs> depressed is, I can't find a reason to live one more day. Depressed is darkness. It's not a place that we want to be, but there are people in this room that deal with this on a daily basis. And you've been told, listen, you've been lied to. You've been told if you were a good Christian and you just had more faith and were filled with the spirit, you wouldn't have depression. And you know what? Depression does not discriminate. It's men and women, old and young, Christian and non-Christian. We all deal with this, and the reason I think it's so important to talk about is because if we don't deal with depression, it leads to suicidal thoughts. This is where Elijah was. Some of you are like, "Period, it doesn't say a thing about suicide in the text. Then explain to me why he went a day's journey into the desert by himself with no supplies and laid down. He's trying to take his own life. I know what it's like to be there. Some of you know what it's like to be there. I, and it just breaks my heart. Because I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of people getting to that place, but I understand how you get there. Now, I want to be very clear because people have asked this. I mean, people have said this before, you know. And it's, it's the typical Christian response that when people take their own life, they go to hell. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. If you had a friend or a family member that has taken their own life, they're, they're, suicide does not send someone to hell. Well, that's what my church told me. Your church lied to you. A relationship with Jesus Christ is a relationship with Jesus Christ. The only reason someone goes to hell is because they do not know Christ. And to think that someone who knows Christ will always make the right, wise, unselfish decisions is a foolish thought. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Don't don't tell people that because they'll go out and take their life. Well, no, they won't no they won't it it's it's got to be talked about though it's got to be talked about like this right here stuff like this right here this has got to be talked about because it's in the scriptures and if it's talked about in the scriptures it needs to be talked about in the church so so if you're here if you're anywhere on the spectrum spectrum especially if you're dealing with anxiety and panic attacks or depression or you you're even having suicidal thoughts this is this is what this is this is the this is what I want everybody to understand. God understands. He's not even mad at you about it. Because watch, watch this, watch this, watch this. All at once, an angel touched him. Pause. If I was God, I would not send an angel to touch him. I'd have kicked him in his head. Well, hey, fool, you just, I mean, you just fire and you call down rain. And what's wrong with you, you idiot? Have more faith. But, you know, God is a God full of compassion, full of mercy, slow to anger, abounding in love. That's why everybody should be glad that I'm not God and you should be glad that you're not God too because God looks at Elijah, the suffering servant who's focused on taking his own life. And the Bible says all at once an angel touched him and said, get up and read your Bible. Get up and get filled with the Spirit. He didn't say that. He's in the desert, and he's starving to death with no water. So God just meets him where he is. Hey, Elijah, get up and eat. The whole fire, water, Jezebel, we'll, we'll talk about all that later. I'm going to meet you at your greatest point of need right now. So get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals. And a jar of water, and I love it, because in the Gospel of John, John says that Jesus is the bread of life, and he's the living water. so there's like an encounter with Jesus right there in the scriptures. But what And this is that one, one don't miss this, and oh, mm, I'm going to get it on this one, but I want you to listen to me. This is where we've been lied to. One encounter G- with Jesus makes everything better.. Uh, uh, I sat in church services and experienced the presence of the Lord within an hour, been at rock bottom. And so have you. He has this encounter and watch what happened. He ate and drank and then lay down again. Healing is a process, healing takes time. We didn't get the weight on our shoulders overnight but we wanted to be gone and so listen sometimes God does that and it's a miracle and it's great but the Bible says the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him God's like I'm being really patient aren't you glad that God is patient with us see see if you're dealing with these things God's not mad at you God's not upset with you God understands exactly where you are. And for those of you thinking, God's forgotten all about me, then why in the world do you happen to be here on this day listening to this message? You call it coincidence. I call it providence. God has a plan for your life. And he loves you too much to let you die in the desert under a broom tree. So he touched him a second time and said, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. In other words, I've still got plans for you, but it's too much for you to do on your own. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Isn't it funny that without God, he could only go one day into the desert, but with God, he could travel for 40 days. But the, the thing was, he got this cave, then he went to this cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Because when he got to the cave, I'm sure like some of us, we get to the cave and we think, finally, it's over, it's done, God, you take my life in this cave and I'm I'm just ready. Watch what happens. He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your people to death with a sword. Watch this, watch this. I am the only one. That's how the enemy gets you. That's how he got me. Don't talk about this with anybody, because you're the only one. Everybody will think you're weird. Everybody will think you're the freak at that church. Everybody will think. Listen, put on your filter, put on your smile, use your Jesus words, and tell everybody you're awesome. Because if you let it out that you're struggling with anxiety or depression or even having suicide. oh, God, they're going to, you're the only one. See, that's the lie the enemy tells us. And Elijah, one of the godliest men in the Bible, believed it. Not only, <laughs> not only did he believe the lie, he told the lie to God. I'm the only one. I'm going to show you why that's not true in just a second. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. I love this. The Lord, Lord said, go, didn't even address it, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, which is surprising because we we're like, God will move, and here's the wind. That's awesome. And then God's not in it. Kind of looking around, going, what's up? So next, the Bible says, and after the wind, there was an earthquake. And that's where you expect God to move. He's shaking the ground. He's going to rearrange everything. This is going to be awesome. And Elijah gets it done. And and the Bible says, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake came a fire. And he's like, oh, I've seen this. I know about the fire. The fire came down. This is, this is where God, but isn't it funny that sometimes God will move in a way and then we'll never see him move in that way again, even though we, like, sometimes we get used to the way God moves and then we'll write books about that particular way and we'll build monuments to that way, but he, he moved that way one time. So he sees the fire, and after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him... got to get quiet enough to hear him speak. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been there. he's got this, he's a one-hit wonder. He's got the same song. (laughs) I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with sword. I am the only one. That's what we keep saying. I'm the only one dealing with anxiety, stress, worry, depression. I'm the I'm it. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Oh, this is beautiful. This is this is God. I'm gonna reiterate this over and over, going, Hey Elijah, that's great. Love the speech. I'm not finished with you yet. So go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu son of Nishmi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha son of Shapat from Abel to succeed you as prophet. Notice, notice God starts giving him specific direction. When? After he got to a place where he could hear God speak in a still, small voice. And he told him to go back and get connected with people. In other words, Elijah I still got great work for you, but, but you can't do this alone. Jehu will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death anyone who exca- escapes the sword of Jehu. And watch this, watch this. This is so beautiful. Yet I have reserved 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Two major things stick out in this, pa- in this passage. Number one, I still have incredible plans for your life, and this is it just isn't for Elijah, it's for you. God's going, I've still got incredible plans for your life. You're wanting to maybe lay down in the desert under a broom bush and say it's over, but that's the enemy wanting to take you out. And the reason the enemy wants to take you out is because that he knows that God's got something great for you, something great and awesome that'll blow your mind, and if you simply won't give up but look up, I'm telling you, God has greater plans for you than you could ever imagine. He said it to Elijah, and he says that you, and oh, Yeah, by the way, Elijah, just so you know, you're not the only one. (laughs) You think you're by yourself. And I got 7,000 that are in the same condition you are. And if you're here today and you deal with worry and fear, anxiety, depression, even suicidal thoughts, you're not the only one. You know, I sat here two weeks ago and told you about my experience when I was in treatment where I was convinced that the only way out of this was to take my own life. I took a walk around that track and God spoke to me and said, I'm not finished with you yet, but something else happened that night that was really important. I knew, I knew that if I didn't talk about it, that the next day I would have to fight that battle again. So that night, the lodge that I was in, we stayed in lodges. We would always meet and kind of talk about our day. I always meet in a big circle. And that night at the lodge, when it got to me, I said, guys, this was my day. And I walked them through how I was ready to check out and go home and take my own life. And... Uh, Everybody in the circle just kind of nodded their head. Nobody told me I should have more faith, read my Bible more. Nobody wrote a Bible verse on a rock and hit me with it. They were like, hey, man, I understand. But you know what happened that night when I spoke it out loud? Its power over me was broken. You want that power over you to be broken? It starts with you asking for help, just like I did. And then one day, you'll get a text message. Like I got a few weeks ago before we started the church. There was one of those text messages that I screenshot, and I saved it because it meant so much to me. And this is what I'm praying for each one of you that feels like you're all alone and by yourself. A friend of mine that lives in California texted me. He said... Got you on my mind and heart today, praying for a great Sunday, believing God for amazing things, big or small, above or below expectations. You are deeply loved by God and his son. I was telling Stacy recently how amazed I am by your tenacity and relentlessness. There are so many in similar situations who will have hope because of you, Thank you for not taking your life three and a half years ago. That was his text message to me. But that's going to be somebody's message to you. Thank you for having the courage to step up and say, I'm not okay. Thank you for having the courage to ask for help. Thank you for having the courage to admit, you know what? I'm not putting on the Christian filter anymore. I'm wrestling and I need help because when you walk through the fire, we're not called as a church to shout instructions to you, but be like Jesus and get down in that fire and walk with you. And that's what we want to do here in Second Chance. So with that in mind, would you stand for closing prayer? Father, I thank you so much for every single person in this room, every person watching online. God, that maybe feels less than, because we somehow struggle with anxiety or depression or even some to the point of considering taking their own lives. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus right now that you would fill us with hope. Just just a wave of hope like we've never experienced because God, you might God, is possible that you won't change our circumstances, but the miracle is in you changing our perspective. With well, heads bowed and eyes closed here today, listen, if you're wrestling with anxiety, depression, even suicidal thoughts, this is the safest place in the world for you to be. I'm not going to promise you that we, we can put our hands on your head and pray for you and you'll never wrestle with it again. I can promise you though that having somebody pray with you today is the start of a healing process that Jesus wants to do in you. We have incredible volunteers on our care team and that's why we're here. So if you're someone and you're saying, you know what, I need someone to pray with me, I need someone to pray for me, then right now without even looking around, I want you to step out of your aisle, step out of your chair and just walk out the back doors of our church. We have care team volunteers, and the reason we're, they're here today is because they want to pray with you and pray for you. I want you to go right now. I want, you wanna, I want you to go. This is the safest place in the world. Nobody will think you're weird. Nobody will think it's awkward. We want to pray with you. You just go right now. Dozens of people are moving, so you just go right now. I want you to go. Because we want to be there. This is how we want to serve you today. If you have felt less than, if you have felt overwhelmed, we want to pray with you today. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you don't have a relationship with Jesus because you thought, well, man, my life's in shambles there. I'm dealing with all that stuff. There's no way that Jesus would come into my life. And Jesus wants to come into your life today. For some of you, you heard today that Jesus cares about you. He's filled with compassion and wants to save you. And so if you're here today and you want to pray to receive Christ, I want you to pray right where you're standing right now. Just pray in your heart. Just say, Jesus Christ, right now, come into my life. I receive you, Jesus. Change me from the inside out. Make me brand new. In your name I pray. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just pray to receive Christ, would you lift your hand up? And I just want to say, amen, amen, amen. Anybody else? Two, three, anybody else? If you're online, do the hand raise. We want to celebrate with you. Praise God. Father, thank you for these incredible people who took a step today. God, for those in the room that are going to wrestle with this and maybe take a step in a day or two, thank you, Jesus, that you heal. We love you. We ask this in your name. Everybody said, hey, before you leave, let me just say this. God heals through medication. God heals through therapy. I see a therapist. I thank God for therapy. It doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're actually strong enough when you ask for help. Don't miss next week as we finish this series. Only God can judge me with a way that we've never done it before. And then we're going to do a two-week series before Easter called How to Break the Power of Addiction in Your Life. I know a little something about that. I'll see you all next week. God bless.